After you die, if you were going to be buried, what way would you like it to be? You know, the coffin, the cemetery, all that. Whatever you're thinking, I'll bet it's nothing like the woman in this first story. Today there are two pieces from two radio students, both great examples of letting a story unfold. The first is from a DCU Communications final year student, Diane McSweeney. Um, Hi, yeah. Hi, I'm Diane. How are you, Diane? Hi. Nice to meet you. Got to pop here, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Anyway, just to go give you a rough idea, that's the lady that uh, created all the interest initially. Mary. Mary Lynch. Did you know her personally? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know she had any of the wishes that she had until uh, a couple of days before she died. Uh, her daughter phoned us here and told us that Mam is very sick and she's she's not not going to last too much longer and uh, she has a couple of special requests I have spoken to Mary's daughter Yvonne before I said that I would speak to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I didn't want anybody's personal thing yeah. to be discussed. And to be honest with you, she got excited. Oh, really? And she says, Mary would love this. <laughs> and she said, if this girl would like to speak to me or if I can be of any help to her, please say there's no problem and here's my number. I'd love to talk to her. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, hi, uh, it's Diane calling. Hi. Hi. Um, I was just making sure that we could still meet up tomorrow. We can, we can. Meet at the IFI. The IFI, perfect. Um, what time do you see? So, do you just want me to talk? Do you want to fire questions at me? Um, I just want to talk and I'll okay. ask a question if I feel like yep. I should. Um, my mum passed away in 2005. Um, now, many years before she died, about maybe probably about eight to ten years, she was saying to us, when I die, I want to be buried in a pink coffin with fairy lights. I said, no, no, I'm serious, and I don't want to be fobbed off with any of this rosewood stuff or anything like that. It has to be pink, and if they won't paint it pink, well, get the lads to paint it pink for me. Okay, so he said, yeah, yeah, whatever. Anyway, then in about 2003... She became ill. Uh, we weren't quite sure what it was, but towards the end of 2004, it was diagnosed she had cancer. So. She was getting sicker and sicker, and we realised that. You know, this is, she was in the hospital in Galway, um, which is a cancer hospital, and we thought, no, this is serious. So my younger sister and I, Joe and I, were over visiting Mom, and uh, we'd left Mom in the hospital or whatever, and we looked at each other and thought, this could happen sooner than we think. we better start making arrangements. So we made an appointment to go and see Smith's, the funeral directors. It was Pat's father, Tom Smith, then. Um, And so 
Joe and I walked in to see him uh, said, well, uh, we want to uh, order a coffin, but it's for someone who's still alive. And Tom said, no, no, that's okay. I hear that all the time. And Joe and I looked at each other and went, well, uh, we have quite an unusual request. He said, no, no, don't worry. I've heard it all before. Just tell me what you want. And Joe and I looked at each other and went, okay, well, she wants a pink coffin with fairy lights. And uh, Tom just sort of like looked and went, a pink coffin, is it? Well, uh, okay. And they just had the funeral home decorated, and so there was a paint chart there. So Tom reached over, picked up the paint chart, and pink coffin, well, have a look at that, pick out the colour you want, <laughs> and we'll see what we can do. Hardest part the fairy fairy lights. Lights. I wanted to get battery-powered fairy lights that we didn't have to connect to a mains power supply. But everywhere I looked, they either hadn't got them or they weren't available or whatever. So I finished up tracking down a company in England, telling them my story. They said they'd dispatch them straight away. The fairy lights have to flash, not just not just on the coffin, they have to flash in the funeral home. They have to flash all the way to the to the church for the removal and then flash back in the, in the coffin to the cemetery and flash all the way to the grave. So, so they, were actually, they were actually going on. They were on as the coffin was being lowered into the ground. We look at each other and we think, what are we going to do about the lights? We think, oh, we'll just leave them. They'll go out eventually. <laughs> Hopefully that's okay. Uh, they could be flushing under the soil somewhere. But it was, it was wonderful. Her funeral was a joyous occasion. It was fantastic. It really was. The kids in the little village where she's from, it's about 10 miles from here. Craig's, it slowed down where Mum and Dad's house was. And uh, Mum was very, very, you know, worked a lot in the village. And the little children really loved my Mum. All the little children were standing there with pink balloons, because my Mum loved pink, obviously. Um, and so then we got to the church, had the removal. And the next thing, when we got to the graveyard, all the little children were there with pink balloons again. So we lower the coffin, blinking still, flashing fairy lights, pink coffin, down into the grave. The coffin goes down, and the children let go of all the balloons, and they all float away. Diane McSweeney's final year documentary about unusual funerals. That extract was about the funeral of Mary Lynch. Bernard Riley is in college in Dublin, the radio course in the Dunleary College of Further Education. But Bernard doesn't live in Dublin. He's from Longford and makes the trip to college every week. That trip is the subject of Bernard's documentary. Here's an extract. Listen to how he makes the microphone a companion. Well, I'm currently outside my house now and um, there's nothing happening, but we'll take a wander down the lane here and see what's going on. What do you
And on that note, I think we'll finish to Oh, no, we won't. I'm just waiting for the train now, coming from Sligo. As you can hear, there are dogs in the background, and don't know if you can hear the buses outside in the car park. So we're just waiting on the train to come. You could probably hear the beep beep, the horn. Here it comes now. My name is Bernard Riley. I'm a student at Dunleavy College of Further Education. I travel up and down twice a week on the Sligo train from Lantford. Um, and is there anything that you need to know about me? Um, oh, oh yeah, I'm visually impaired. Sometimes listen to music. Uh, sometimes listen to the people around me. When I'm listening to people, uh, listen to people's accents, kind of what they're talking about, and it's some people might say that rude, but it's not hard in such a confined space like that to um, pick up on what people are talking about. I know some people occupy themselves on the train by looking out the window, but um, it's different for me in that I've been blind for birth, so um, I don't have that option. So I can just um, imagine, or sometimes I'd rather not imagine, what places look like. So I occupy myself in other ways by listening to music, as I said, earlier on. I would be curious about what might be outside the window, but it doesn't really bother me. One time myself and my mother were coming down, and just outside Mullingar, I was sitting next to the window, and a stone hit the window, and uh, my mother thought it was after me, shot through the window. But thankfully, uh, well, as you can hear, I wasn't. So it's all right. Don't panic. An extract from Bernard Riley's radio documentary. And you can hear the full piece on the documentary on one site on rte.ie. Click on the tab marked The Curious Ear. Now, just after arriving in Conley Station, at the end of um, a pretty long journey.